With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal AOP. We are joined by Jacob today. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm bathing in the glow of a 5-0 victory at the weekend in ways that many are not. I'm I saw you, you, you were in Cardiff, right, the night before and had to go from Cardiff <laughs> to London back to Cardiff. That sounds like a day of yeah. hell, but it also demonstrates an extreme amount of commitment to the cause. When I saw you in Cardiff, I thought, oh, he's, he must have given his ticket away. But no. No. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really bad planning on my part, to be really, really honest. It's, it's. I forgot I was supposed to be in Cardiff that whole weekend. I was only reminded, actually, I, I wish I could remember her name. A really kind lady who follows me on Instagram said, messaged me two weeks prior going, oh, I see you're performing in Cardiff. Could I take your photo? She's a photographer. And I was like, I'm not performing in Cardiff. She goes, yeah, yeah, you're on the website. And so I checked this comedy club's website. And I was like, oh, shit. But I'd already said to Arsenal that I would do their, um, I did the breakdown with Adrian yeah. Clark, um, which is great. It's a, it, I'll tell you what, there is no better way to watch a football match than A, in club level seating, and B, sat next to an ex-player slash analyst. <laughs> he's really good. I mean, Adrian's brilliant. I don't know if you've ever listened to anything he does or read any yeah. of his stuff. He's, he's great. But he's also he's really good fun. He's I think sometimes those analysts take themselves a bit seriously, but he doesn't switch off during the game. Obviously, the cameras stop rolling um, while the game's on, but so you just sit in the box and watch the game. So he's, he's not brilliant. so he's not hanging around drinking pints till minute seven and then racing off on, <laughs> no. on forty two to get to the front of the line. No, no, he's he's got his laptop out. That the the only put I will say I don't, I don't know if anyone uh, watching this would be aware of someone or, or if you're aware. Do you know the Grime Gran? Have you heard of her? The Grime she, Gran. She's a kind of content creator. I mean, she's a Gran. I don't. I don't. Sorry, we've gone really off topic really quickly. Um, <laughs> basically, it's good. 
when, when you when you do so, so Arsenal during the game day on their YouTube they do the breakdown with Adrian Clark and it's a kind of they turn a box into a studio and Adrian and a presenter, I don't remember the lady's name, she's really good, the presenter who did it with him. They present this kind of show from inside this box covering the game day um, and sort of half of the box are competition winners or people of that ilk. Um, I, d- I did it once with David Rocastle's family, actually, which was amazing to meet them, They're lovely people. But then the other half will be kind of like content creators, you know, people like us, basically. So I've done it a few times. But then I... I go in there and there's sort of an older woman and I really, I said, Oh, and she, she's, she's called the grime gran. And she does these kind of viral videos where she's someone's grandmother and she interviews rappers. Um, so it's quite a strange match day experience of being sandwiched between Adrian Clark and the grime gran and not knowing which way to turn when I want to talk about how our fullbacks are inverting <laughs> or, or grime music. So yeah. It, so yeah, I, I, I did, I did have to travel to and from Cardiff to, to the game, but it was a really good game, and um, it was. I, I don't think you could have asked for much more, really, from from what we gave on Saturday. Yeah, no, I mean we're still basking in the five nil. I mean, as always, Arsenal fans, we were picking holes in it afterwards. I think Pete was saying a couple of the finishes were lucky. Can you believe that he was saying that first Martinelli finish was lucky? Um, slander, slander. The Premier League on their Instagram today. I've done a brilliant comp comparing it to an identical Thierry Henry goal. So urge everyone uh, to go and have a look at it. But it was worth. It, it sounds like it was. It was worth the trip for the mighty forest. Hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was worth the trip. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, uh, that break between our last fixture and this one, between the Liverpool game, the FA Cup game, and this game, felt like it felt like a summer. Didn't it? If that felt like a whole like preseason pass in that time, you know, I think they were only in Dubai for nine or ten days, but it felt like such a long time. So it's just getting back and watching them again felt good, regardless of the result. Yeah, it felt like the start of the season again, didn't it? It felt like we'd had a chance to resettle and and regroup, and you know, you could really see the difference. And and the thing that I thought was crazy was we've been talking about a winter break, but a load of teams didn't get one. A lot no. of teams were playing the weekend before. So it was a real advantage uh, to not have that. And then I think we've got another advantage uh, to not by not being in the FA Cup. Uh, mm. And I know some people will disagree with that and say it's a lack of ambition or all of those things. But I've seen us win a load of FA Cups and I haven't seen us win the league in 20 goddamn years. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I, also, the, the, the people saying we have no ambition... I most of them who who adopt that kind of mentality, I don't think they would actually be pleased by a domestic cup. Or like the kind of people who are like, oh, Arteta throws away the cups, he's not ambitious enough, he's not taking these things seriously. I guarantee you a Carabao Cup win or an FA Cup win wouldn't actually make them happy. So I I didn't want to go out of the FA Cup. We are where we are now. Um, I think we've seen how stretched this squad is just doing the Premier League and the Champions League in the first half of the season. I look at what Liverpool have got before our game. I'm really happy about it. And I do think, I I chatted to um, a couple of Palace fans afterwards and they were saying that that game with Everton, I think that was only five days before, four days before. And they they do think that had a a real effect on, on their performance. And I think part of the reason some people came away from Saturday feeling a bit feeling a bit like it, it it wasn't a 5-0 celebration in often 5-0 games are. Palace was so bad. 
Like so bad and naive as well. I mean, it, after 10 minutes, I, I was like, this feels like a Champions League game. Why, why is their line so high? Why have they got Anderson on the halfway? Why do we keep getting in behind? And to be honest with you, I, th- I think it took the players a bit of time to get used to that. I think it took our players a bit of time to realise, oh, you can just go through. Like we, th- This isn't going to be a low block breakdown game. This isn't going to be a horseshoe around the penalty box game. This is going to be three passes and we're behind them. And then it's about making the right decisions. And I think that's what's changed as the game went on. I think the two set piece goals settled our nerves a little bit. And then the composure we showed to create that Trossard goal of, you know, an incredible throw out by Raya. And I think that's his best performance of the season so far, David Raya. I agree Gab- with that. Gabriel Jesus has got a lot of stick coming out of that game. It's it's a really nice couple of touches in a pass. And it's literally two touches before a pass. I've seen so many people analysing his lack of pace and the fact that he couldn't pull away there. I think he knew exactly what he was doing and he was just keeping the ball wide before releasing Trossard. And then... Trossard's first touch, I, I, I was, I was ready to curse him. I was, I was like, no, no, just shoot straight away. I'll go. You give it. And then the defender, you know, gets sent for a hot dog, and he puts it away really nicely. And yeah, it, that that goal was when I really went, oh, okay, you know. Well, I think sometimes he's better when there's no time to think, isn't it? It reminds me a bit of the Manchester United finish, where suddenly it's just all there. Although maybe he did have a bit of time to think about that one. But uh, did uh, Adrian Clark? have any uh, interesting analysis when he was talking to you and were there any palace players because obviously the spotlight's been on elise eze mm. those types of players was there anything was there anything you'd take as they get stripped for parts gurhi is the center back that often gets spoken about with palace mm. and he he was in our academy i believe he's obviously an english player um and the, the numbers quoted around him are really high Anderson's stats are unbelievable. Anderson's stats are... I I think before the game, he had the most headers out of his own box in the Premier League. And I think he had some of the best long-passing stats in the Premier League as well. Um, So I'm not saying that that's one that I'd throw a huge amount of money at. But I think we probably are going to need another centre-back at some point if if we potentially lose Kivior. If they were, if I don't think they will go down Palace because of all the point deductions happening with with Forest and Everton and the fact that there are some really poor teams in this league like Sheffield United. Uh, but if if you know something random was to strike, I mean, I love Eze. I really really like Eze. And and you know, talking about the left centre midfield role, I thought it was another game where Havertz was up and down. I could really see Eze there, but I think a lot of teams could, and I I wouldn't be surprised if Man City come back for him in the summer. Well, we've looked backwards, but now it's time to look forwards. It's that time of the hottest show. Of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Jacob, make it spicy. <laughs> <laughs> hottest of takes. Eh? That was as good as it was going to get. For it, For anyone disappointed with what happened on Saturday, I don't think it was ever going to be better than that. I think anyone who thought we were going to come back after this Dubai break and look like we did at the start of last season, where Gabriel Jesus looked like the best striker in Europe and and Saka couldn't stop scoring and Martinelli was on a a 15-goal season pace, it wasn't that long a break. We haven't come back with new players. We are still the same team that went away, having lost to Liverpool, having lost to to Fulham. we were never going to just flip straight back to being the team we want us to be, playing the free-flowing football that we played last season. 
it was always going to be a case of slowly, slowly getting back to where we want to be, building up form again. And this was as good as it was going to get. I, I, I remember you and uh, you and Peter talking before this game saying, we'll take any kind of goal. We'll take handballs. We'll take offsides. We'll take anything. And what did we get? Two set-piece goals. After that, smart finish from Trossard. And I don't know what Pete's saying about Martinelli's finishing because I thought it was excellent. That was as good as it was going to get. And I think we can come out of that, put it behind us. They were a bad Palace team and go forward saying five goals, clean sheet as well, which is a big thing because it's not as if we were just drawing games before that break. We were losing them because we were conceding goals. No, Nothing conceded. Good David Raya performance and we move forward. Oh, well, I'm feeling very optimistic and positive after that hot take. My hot take is looking forward to the rest of the season and I am going to pin... Because it's, it's, you know, that's the thing about hottest detectives. You can be uh, a little bit unrealistic. But I'm going to pin all of our hopes for the rest of the season on one man. I'm going to pin them all on Thomas Party. And I think that we have forgotten how much we miss this guy. Just a year ago, we were going to Tottenham. We were winning away there. We were beating Manchester United. We just had, we're in that fantastic run. And everyone was saying... There is no better player in the Premier League than Thomas Partey. It was a conversation this time last year about whether Rodri or Thomas Partey was better. And Arsenal fans were all saying it's Thomas Partey because of his ability, his forward passing. And it all went south because, you know, that infamous sort of head shakers, he just ran out of steam. And he'd never played that many games before. But I think that Thomas Partey can handle 20 games a season, 20 to 25 games. And I think that's all there is left. And I think he will be itching to get back on the pitch. I think he can transform our midfield. I think Erdegaard, Partey and Rice is the Champions League midfield. I think there's opportunities to fine-tune the formation we saw at the beginning where he goes right back and then comes into midfield and gives us a whole different look and feel to deal with low blocks, especially. Mm. Um, I think we've desperately missed his transitions in midfield, the ability to pass through the lines. Declan Rice is amazing at carrying the ball. I love him, but Thomas Partey has got a whole different skill set. And I think we've just, it's been so long that we've forgotten how good he is. And the news that he is approaching fitness again, I mean, forget Forrest. It's Liverpool we're all thinking about. He can make a real, real, real difference against Liverpool. And so hopefully he can get some minutes this weekend. But, you know, I know that we're all going, oh, we've got to just flog the guy to Saudi and all of that stuff and he can't stay fit. But you can't be on that side and then go, just bring anyone in. We need a body up front. It's the same It's the same argument. So I think that he is has the potential to be the game changer. And if we are to win anything, we need a fully fit Thomas Partey to play 20 games this season. I completely agree. I completely like, I, and I, in terms of what he's capable of and in terms of what his level is, I agree with you that on his day, he is maybe the best six in the league, maybe the best six in Europe and certainly the most unique the skill set he has, and, and I absolutely love it. I, I've never seen a six play like him where he's so good with his first touch at taking players out. I, I remember against Fulham. Do you remember the Fulham away game last season? I think Trossard played false nine and got a hat-trick of assists in that game. 
but party was unbelievable. I think it was around late February, early March time. And there was one bit of play where party received the ball and on the Cruyff turn, nutmegged someone in midfield and just took two players out of the game. And I remember Fulham fans standing up and applauding it because it, it was just ridiculous. As you say, his passing, the, the goals we scored at the end of this game, you know, the, the Martinelli goals, they were transition goals. Now, obviously, they happened because Palace are coming on to us where we've got a three-goal lead. But th- we've had opportunities in games to create those kind of transitions before. And we've just not managed to do it. And I think his skill set is is what we need. Jorginho played the pass for one of Martinelli's goals. But I've seen Party play those passes so many times over the years. And we, we've spoken so much about the lack of form from our, our front three. I do wonder if those front three, if they had the opportunity, would turn around and go... If you put a pass like that behind us, we're going to score you more goals. And it's something I've said all season. As much as I love what we've done in midfield, as much as I love Declan Rice, I do think losing Xhaka and Party from the midfield, replacing them with Havertz and Rice, you've got two much better athletes, two much better counter-pressers, two much better players off the ball. You don't have two passes of the ball that we had in Party and Xhaka. And the idea of him coming back... I mean, there's, there's two questions I'd ask you, Matt. First of all, what do you pay to buy party skill set, to buy a player who can pass the ball, who can turn in midfield like he does. I mean, is there anyone on the market that can do that reliably? And if so, how much do you pay for them? I just can't see anyone. And I, I think can't. it's really interesting. We're looking at Zubamendi, um, maybe as that type of passer. But I mean, I've seen a couple of games and I haven't seen it. But what do I know? No. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Mikel Arteta. I'm not the analyst team. But it's just the sheer physical presence of the man. He's an absolute... Man Mountain, he's strong in the tackle. He's got a touch that is to die for. So he's such a unique profile, like you say, and I just don't really know how we replace him. I think you sort of have to build a different set of skill sets. I think that's what we did. I think we got Declan Rice, who is better defensively and Mm. amazing at carrying the ball, but he can't pass in the same way. And he can't... No, not in the like, same way. I, we, we should say with Declan Rice, his progressive passing numbers are actually really good. No, he's, he's he, great. He just the, does it in a different way. The thing about Thomas Partey is he, when I think about some of the most memorable moments, he's halfway inside our own half a lot of the time when he makes the vital interception. And there's something about it. It's like one or two touch or even a body movement. And suddenly the whole game state is completely changed and everyone... Yeah. He's just got the spaces opened up. He's broken the lines. And there's just, it's you've gone from a mildly threatening situation to them, to the opposition, to an incredibly threatening uh, game state for the opposition. You know, it just all opens up and suddenly it's all up for grabs. So, you know, I'm really excited. And I'm not 100% convinced by that right back experiment at the beginning of the season, but... If Mikel Arteta is, keeps on doing it and keeps on trying it, I mean, we may as well just accept it's going to happen because he's, he's not exactly the type to let you and me saying we're not sure if party at right back works and stop doing it. He clearly thinks there's something in it and that that can be a game-changing state for us with the diamond in the middle. Mm. So prepare for that. <laughs> Would you yeah. bet against Thomas Party at right back against Liverpool? I wouldn't bet against it, even no, though I don't I, want I, it. I wouldn't, and it... The other thing to remember, we did it last season. At the end of last season, I, I, I think it may have actually been Forest away, randomly. We did it I, against I, Forest away, and then we all and it was terrible. And then we it did was. it against Wolves at home in the last game of the season, and we absolutely smashed them. It was Wolves in the last game of the season, to, to be fair. 
I, I, but it was to bring Jorginho in at six, but it was, it really, it felt like there was a moment. And I think that Forest game was the moment because that was after the Brighton game that we lost at home. And it felt like there was a moment where Arteta went, okay, this season is now dead. This is dead now. So I'm going to start preparing for next season. And that's when he started putting party at fullback. My, my question about the party with fullback thing, uh, at the start of this season, and I believe this was the case in the last season, Zinchenko wasn't fit. So we didn't have Zinchenko inverting from left-back. Uh, obviously, the Forest game at the start of this season, first home game, it was Timber left-back until half-time, at which point he went off. After that, Kivior played left-back a few games while Party played right-back. So I, I don't know what the dynamic will be there. Where I, I can't imagine us playing Zinchenko left-back and Party right-back. That feels suicidal yeah i mean if we try that against liverpool people are gonna lose their minds i where i sit usually in the stadium we've got about six uh black cab drivers these old boys who've been going for about 50 years bald heads you know and it's it's taken them six years to get around to the idea of passing it out from the back I, I, they were ready to bring a gun to the stadium. Who's bit? Who's yeah, bit? yeah, they 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 were ready to kill somebody if Petr Cech kept trying that a few years ago. They've only just got. Around I mean, to, to be fair, I was too because he's. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, there was, I, I was sort of morphing into them for a few while watching Socrates try and do it. I think if we try to do party in Zinchenko at fullback against a team that has the best wing forwards in the league, <laughs> there were sections of our support that would turn murderous. So I I don't. My theory all along was that Timber was actually strangely bought as the long-term party replacement because I think where he mm. stepped into midfield from defence, and if you look at what he was doing at Ajax, he's got a lot of the same abilities as, as party in terms of dribbling, in terms of receiving the ball on the half-term, in terms of passing. He's He had the best progressive passing numbers in Europe last season, Timber. But I know what you mean about being able to envisage party in the centre of our half of the pitch. There, the amount of times that I can almost remember him just dropping a shoulder and changing his body shape. And it felt like the 10 opposition players who were outfield players all lost balance at the same time. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, like, yeah, a yeah he just pass. moved the body. He didn't even touch the ball. It's a bit like, yeah, Carnu when he went through a few years ago and he just exactly. gave the keeper, but he didn't touch the ball. And that's what party does. And for a yeah. big guy, you can't imagine Onana doing that type of having that type no. of subtlety in his locker, no. that type of technique in his locker. He, he's, he's Thiago Alcantara on stilts, literally. It's, if, if, if you put go-go gadget legs on Thiago Alcantara, it's that. It, I, you can literally picture it in your head. Ben White, very simple ball into midfield, and party just lets it run across him, and the whole defence go, Whoa! And, and, and we're through. And, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I, I remember a United fan who's quite big on Twitter um, during, I think, you know, around the sort of 75th minute of the Arsenal City game at home this season when um, when it was, I think it was uh, Tommy Asu, Party and Havertz on the touchline about to come on triple substitution. Yeah. And our fans were getting excited. And I remember I remember this United fan. I, I wish I could remember his at hand. It did go viral after this. He put up a screenshot of Party, Havertz and Tommy Asu about to come onto the pitch. And the uh, the tag that he put with this screenshot, this image of, of Party, Tommy Asu, Havertz about to come on, he, his little comment was, these guys think that they're the Avengers. And then sure enough, the Party pass, Tommy Asu knocked down, Havertz gets it to Martinelli and the goal comes. And the physicality, the the creativity, everything that Party brings on midfield, I, I think could completely change this team. And I think you're right, 20, 25 games, that, that's enough. If we can nurse him through it, which we should be able to do with Havertz and Rice in the midfield as well. I mean, 
if that happens, and if we are to have a successful season, and, and what you call a successful season will vary from fan to fan, but if we were to if we were to get a real uptick with party coming back into the team, I'd be really keen to see what happens in the summer. Because he's going to have one year left on a, on a big contract, two fifty a week. I think he's on. I'd, I'd be so interested to see what we do because I still think he's one of our best players. I still think he's in our top three players. He definitely was when he was fit last season. He's certainly the most influential in our midfield. What, what so do you do? I think? Well, I think that old Arsenal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Signs him on an extension or lets him play out the year. And they go, he was our best player. He won us the league. We have to, we can't resist keeping him. I think, and we'll cut this sort of leads into our next conversation. But if you are running uh, an effective top tier football club, then the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Thomas Party will miss at least 50% of next season. And if you think that 250,000 is worth it for half a season, because that's almost like paying. 500 uh, for the full season, mm. then good luck to you. But that was not, uh, for me, it would not be something that an elite football club would do to renew him. They, they'd get rid of him with a year left to go. They'd take any money they can get. We've already left it quite late because it's better to sell players with two years to go than one year to go, to be honest. Mm. But but I think I think this is his final hurrah. I think he needs to go and play somewhere less physically rigorous and and I think he should see it like that. Like, what's his legacy going to be? Is his legacy going to be some spurious allegations or, or potentially... I mean, we don't know about the allegations, but he's been under a cloud for a year and a half. He's immensely talented but can't stay fit. And are you going to be remembered for being a brilliant Arsenal midfielder who won the league? Or are you going to be remembered as head-shaking, lost the plot when going got tough? And I think... Every footballer wants to be remembered for, for for legacy. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think you're right that it's not the sensible thing to do. But as I say, the way he plays, the uniqueness of his skill set and the fact that he could be so pivotal to this season, it will be interesting come the summer to see what we do. Because I don't think anyone's offering you money for him. 
I agree. I agree. So the big news today, uh, Vinay, we knew, is transitioning out in 2024. Um, interesting. I'm interested to get your perspective on him. And obviously, we don't know all the ins and outs, but you've got a good Vinay story, so we should talk about that. And then we'll get a little bit into Richard Garlic, who, you know, the club have opted for continuity. You know, he's been with us uh, for a little while. He joined in 2021 from the Premier League, where he spent three years in the role of director of football. Not that it seems to have helped our relationship with the Premier League, but it certainly helps us that we have someone in there who has um, a broad knowledge of football. And he's been involved in almost every aspect of the club. Um, which I think is fantastic. He uh, really has been focused on football strategy. And I think that's one of the big differences because he's been working with Edu on development, implementation of the football strategy um, and obviously transfers and stuff like that. But where, I mean, Vinay came from marketing. So he's a commercial guy. He's been all about building those relationships. We wouldn't have got Visit Rwanda without Vinay. Uh, <laughs> So, um, you know, what, what what do you make of this news? Do you think it matters? Do you think it's important? Um, you, you've obviously met Vinay, you said? I have. I have. Yeah, I have. I, I, to be honest with you, mate, I, I find it really hard with the assessing the executive level of the club nowadays. Because Vinay has been in that job since 2010. And I'd say for about nine or ten years, you'd say that Vinay presided over a pretty bad period in our history. He presided over the second half of Wenger's reign, which was miserable. He was there during the Raul years. He was, you know, the 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 short amount of time that Sven Mislintat spent at the club, and there was that kind of power triangle between him and Raul and Sven Mislintat. And you know, Sven Mislintat obviously, you know, was touted as this super scout, brought us some players where it didn't work, has gone elsewhere, and it hasn't really so worked. To be fair to him, he was CEO since 2020. So he's been at the club all that time, but he's only been the CEO. He's only a, well, yeah, and, and yeah, it's very but, similar but, to the... It's similar yeah. with the Cronkies, though, isn't yeah. it? The Cronkies yeah. were around for a long time, were still in a position of power when things were bad, but since they've come to the forefront, it's been better. But then there's also been areas where it's not been so good. Not, none of us love the fact that we wear a Visit Rwanda sign on our arms. No, no, I still don't love the fact that I go to a stadium called Fly Emirates. I, I, I always wished it was Ashburton Grove. It's, it's so difficult to assess what they do. I even find it with Edu to a certain extent. There, there are so many things where people I see Edu out, Edu this, Edu that. It's like, well, how none of us really know the division of power between Edu and Arteta. We, we're reliably told that Havertz is an Arteta signing, that Arteta wanted Havertz the whole time. I still see people giving Edu stick over that signing. I, I, I don't even think it's necessarily that bad a signing. The point I'm trying to make, I, I, I find it really hard to assess someone like Vinay. I have met him. Um, and, and before I sort of go into that a little bit, but one thing I think we can say with Vinay is since he's come into a more prominent position within the club in 2020, we have seen communication with the fans get a million times better. There's so much keener to hear from us. The, the fans forum, which which happened a couple of nights ago, actually um, much better. This was the first one he hasn't attended in quite a long time. We know that the atmosphere this season's down, but it's down for the first time in a while after it's been getting better and better. And the connection between the fans and the club's been getting better and better. Adidas have been, you know, a brilliant part of the club for a good while now, and that that looks to be continuing. So there's good stuff with Vinay. I, as I say, I I did a gig for the club. Um, over the summer, I performed a bit of stand-up in the Emirates for the Arsenal Supporters Trust. Vinay was present. And 
Do you, you know when you're around someone who's so powerful and they literally vibrate with how busy they are? Do you know what I mean? And, and when I say like vibrate, he was physically vibrating because it was during the transfer window and every five seconds, the iWatch went off, the iPhone went off. You know, he had to quickly go look at an iPad and come back to this. To this. He was only in there for an hour. His screen time score must have been disastrous. Oh, mate. Yeah, no, it, 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 rather than a figure, it's just get help. That's what his phone tells him on a Monday morning at nine o'clock. But it, yeah, I you know briefly sort of said hello, and he's very very polite, very nice, and it, it you know speaks really well, which is nice. They, they, there are plenty of people in his position at other clubs who don't talk to the fans, who have no interest in making a connection. I at the time this was sort of late summer. It was the win, the transfer window was winding down, and it was getting to the point where we were starting to accept the fact that the last signing was going to be David Raya. Um, but it was around the time that links to Mohamed Kudus had just begun. And I really wanted him. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say. I, I don't still want, to claim, want him. I still oh, mate, want I want him so much now. But back then, I really liked the look of him coming out of Ajax. You know, all the clips I'd seen, he just looked like Saka. You know, the same kind of like upper body strength. You know, small guy that can beat a man, left foot, scoring goals. And so, I had my notepad on me. This is this is a visual thing for people watching, but I would explain for anyone listening. I wrote Kudus's name on the back of my notepad. And because we were stood next to each other before I went on stage, I kept just sort of flitting it in front of him, flitting the little name Kudus just in front of him in the hope that a comedian poking a notepad under his nose might be the difference between us going for Kudus and not. And unfortunately, we didn't in the well, end. Well, Arsene Wenger would have done those, would have done the little wink if it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have got something. You would have got something. He wouldn't have been able to help himself. But it sounds like Vinay was too preoccupied by his his Apple Watch this is my take. I think um, it's a good move because it's continuity and we're onto a good thing and we have a group of people and they trust each other and trust is something that needs to be built over time. And so bringing in a new boss across everyone into a well-oiled machine would be difficult. And we've got somebody who is highly skilled, highly capable, but most importantly, his biggest asset is his understanding of the football landscape rather mm. than his understanding of the sponsorship and commercial landscape. And that's not to say that's not important, but for years, I think we misunderstood the fact that the best way to get the best deals is to be successful on the pitch. And I think that's been one of the evolutions of, of football. I think every, every owner is now trying to spend up to FPP because they know the only way they can be commercially successful is by being successful on the pitch. I think with Tim Lewis, uh, with the rest of the team, there's going to be a lot of support if needed. And I thought the most interesting thing was that they're not calling him CEO. They're calling, no, him, managing, they're calling him managing director, which by all accounts is a less prestigious job title than CEO. And I think that's really smart. And it's a little bit like what they did with Mikel Arteta when he was coach and then he was manager. Because it's basically saying you're in charge, but there's always the opportunity for us to you haven't got unbridled power and there's always the opportunity if we need to to bring someone in above you if needed so he's been given the opportunity they've said it's yours to be successful at make it happen there's no one ahead of you you call the shots it's going to be more of a community of leadership rather than a dictatorship um but i think i think from from what we can tell uh it's positive you know so all good, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, we don't. We don't want to upset the apple cart. Keep things moving as they are, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully garlic keeps. Well, us Well, the last track. thing we need is uh, someone butting heads with uh, Mikel Arteta. 
Uh, you know, we all know who the real boss around the club is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so, so I think all of that is extremely positive. But one of the things he has been presiding over, and one of the things that we can't resist talking about because there's still five days left of the transfer window, is inbounds. Now, today there was some news. We've obviously been talking strikers. We've been talking about the dearth of strikers. We've talked about uh, Ivan Tony. We're talking about whether a deal should happen now or in the summer. We were talking about Benzema, all of that. But now we're not talking about Kareem Benzema. We're talking about a different specimen of striker. This is the news today. Obviously playing on the fact that Newcastle have some FPP issues. Callum Wilson. Now, I remember him giving us a bit of a torrid time when we uh, didn't make fourth. He absolutely bullied us. He's very much in the mould of, I wouldn't say Didier Drogba, I'd say he's very much in the mould of a Dominic Solanke. But he's an England international. He's a good player. He's strong. He's something different. Interested? I can tell by the look on your face. (laughs) You're not excited. You you said Dominic Solanke. I was going to say Troy Deeney. Oh, I I remember Troy Deeney giving us a difficult difficult game when he played for Watford and talking about Cajones afterwards. I, look, I Pete did a really good podcast in the week. Um, I think was it Tuesday, and I I, I hugely apologise. I forget the name of the gentleman he was speaking to. Uh, Janet, 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 that's it. Yeah, Janet. Yeah, he was great. And they they were talking about the lack of striking talent, and it's it's something we've spoken about before, mate, about the fact that. Years ago, we were talking about Drogba's Henri's and and players like that of, of that kind of caliber in the Premier League. And now, you know, there's players like Hoyland leading Manchester United. You know, Chelsea have got their own problems. And I think the fact that we're being linked with Callum Wilson, it, I we we had a bit of a debate last week where I spoke about the fact that for me, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure Ivan Tony would start in our team ahead of Gabriel Jesus. And if I'm saying that with Tony, I'm certainly saying it with Callum Wilson. This is back into the realms of Eddie upgrades for me. I, I also don't think it suits our footballers. I, I agree that physically he's strong, he's big. You can you can play long balls for him. It's certainly something David Rye would enjoy. We have to press. We have to press. If you don't press from the front in this Arsenal team, we fall apart. And you know, I, I was. It's funny. I was talking to someone about Sambi Lukonga the other day, and I was watching videos of Sambi when he when he went and got bollocked by Erdegaard for not pressing. I hate to see the arguments between Callum Wilson and Erdegaard because as much as Wilson works hard, he doesn't get across the front line quick enough to press in the way that we do. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this is just one of those rumours where people are putting two and two together and getting five. The fact that Newcastle have got a couple of strikers and need to move one and maybe Callum Wilson would be quicker at the exit door than Isaac, who obviously came in on a huge fee. Yeah, not for me. Not for me, Callum Wilson. No, I tend to agree. I think I think he'd be a useful pool in the squad. I think he'd be more useful than Eddie. <clears throat> Uh, to be fair, because I think they're both being bought on with 13 minutes to go, needing a goal. And the thing that happens with 13 minutes to go is you end up just lobbing the ball in the box a load more and trying to hope that something drops. And I think he can be a battering ram. Um, and he's actually, I, I mean, I've actually been impressed with him because he, he's another player who occupies defenders. But I think we're just at a different stage where Callum was. I feel like it's some, it's some agent talk. It's linking with Arsenal... Yeah. And end up at Brentford. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one that I tell you what, that's that's a way the merry-go-round could work. If if in the summer we do as expected Ooh, go for yeah. it and Tony, you could see that, couldn't you? You could see you could see Brentford saying, you know, I've seen people say, Oh, what what if we send Eddie to Brentford? And you go, Well, no, because that's the whole point. It's because Brentford want a focal point. Brent you know, Brent Brentford would get annoyed by Eddie in the same way we do, because he because he can't hold the well, ball up. Callum Wilson, this is this is what I didn't realise. Do you know how Callum Wilson is? I'm going to guess 28. 31. Oh, is so, so the only thing I'm thinking is whether it would be like a Jorginho type until end of the season, get him off FPP for Newcastle, help them out, help us out, very short-term deal. If you get two crucial goals, it's worth it. If you don't, mm. it's it goes into the... Uh, I, I, know, I don't know about you, Jim Colstrom. Yeah. Jim Colstrom, <laughs> Do you, do you think we're going to buy an attacker before? I mean, do you think we're going to buy anyone before the window ends next week? I don't think so. No one. I don't think so. I mean, I just feel like there's. I feel like FPP has shut the window down. It was like, yeah, yeah, not yeah. this January. Like, yeah, all that <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. Sky Sports would go to outside the ground, and there's just going to be no one there. You know, it's just like, yeah, not, not, not to, not today. Not this, yeah. not this month. It's like it feels like everyone's scared of drawing attention to what they've been doing. So yeah, I can't, I, I agree. I, can't I, I don't think there'll be an attack. I, I think maybe. I mean, it, there's there's news that we might get um, <clears throat> Tavares recalled and then sold to Marseille. If we do that, I think we might try and get a fullback. There's um, is it Ferdy? I, I can't say surname very well. The the um, sort of auxiliary fullback from Fernabachi. Um, let me find his name. I shouldn't just say a first name and just cop out. Um, Ferdi Kadioglu um, from Fenerbahce. I don't um, like buying players from Turkey. I no, yeah, I'm kind of with you, but there, but then we've seen some really like talented players come out of oh. Turkish academies. I mean, there, there are some really really talented. I, I know what you mean. It. I don't know. I. I've just looked at him a bit and I quite like his profile. I think he's a really interesting player. Like people have described him as the B-Tech Jao Cancelo. And I quite like the sound of that. I do think sometimes we underestimate how much we miss Zinchenko when he's injured. And I think he gave us a really good performance on Saturday. I thought that was a perfect Zinchenko game, you know, through, you know, Saturday afternoon, poor, poor team at the Emirates. That's what you want Zinchenko for. Yeah, I, do, I think... I think he's better than that. I'll never forget, I think, the last 20 minutes against Manchester United when we won 3-2 and Eddie scored in the last minute where he was literally playing as a number 10 but mm. still playing left back. Yeah, and yeah. Just yeah. the sheer bravery of being that far advanced as left back. And, like, the ball is flying at him from every angle. And if he – a poor touch, there's no one protecting him behind. And every no. single time, the touch is immaculate – You'll sidestep a player, and it's like if you—you're literally the last man in defence. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. I thought it was absolutely stunning. And you can't talk about bravery and then ex- think the players aren't going to make mistakes. Obviously, the one-on-one defending is tricky, but I mean, one-on-one defending is is hard. Mate, you know? I've seen Tommy Asu make mistakes. Yeah. Was it Burn- was it Burnley or Sheffield United at home? I think it was Burnley at home where, yeah. where Tommy gives away the penalty. Like we, They all make mistakes. And Zinchenko defensively on Saturday was excellent. 
The, the amount of headers he wins for a man of his yeah. height, he has yeah. no right. He's, he times those headers so well. He jumps in quite well. I, I was being reductive. He's, he's a very, very good player, Zinchenko. But what I was going to say, I think sometimes when he's injured, Tommy Asu slots in there very nicely. There are times when I think Tommy Asu looks a bit clunky when he has to step into midfield and we've got a double pivot of Rice and Tommy Asu. That's an area where I think a, a third Ecoliagli coming in could, could be quite interesting. I also like the idea that he can go outside a bit more. And I think, you know, if, if Martinelli had a fullback who went outside of him, we'd get him closer to goal. He could potentially even play right back. And if he could go outside of Saka, when Ben White's, you know, need, needs more sellotape on his hamstrings, that brings Saka closer to goal. So I, I think a versatile fullback like him, if it's a, a modest price tag with Tavares going out the door, possibly. But I think it could happen. That, my, my take on it is we're at, the, we're at the FA Cup. January has been extremely light in terms of workload. We're going to play three mm. games in January after a break. And Timber's going to be back in March. At some Do you think point. he will? Do you think he will? I think he'll be back mid to late March. And so bringing someone in for six weeks when we've just, it's not like there's a lot of, like there's a lot of, we're not in the, we're not in the famous red zone with players mm. right now. Yeah, I think yeah. the players can handle six to eight games. I mean, there's, yeah, Timber's going to be back in 10 games. So we've got Possibly, 10 yeah. games. Yeah. So we've got 10 games for it. Ben White's hopefully had a bit of a chance to get a rest. Sinchenko can play a game a week. Um, a lot of these games, a lot of these games are at home. So we've got yeah. uh, Forest. Uh, we've got obviously got Forest away. But we've got Liverpool at home. We've got Porto at home. The first, the first leg. We've got Chelsea at home. You know, I think that helps. So I think I think we're just going to go for it. And then I think you know we've, we've touched on this subject, but I think Party and Smith Rowe have re-established themselves as real squad options. So mm. I think we're ready to go. I really do. And I don't think you know. Obviously, we would have liked something. I'd have loved like a Carnu like signing, a sort of rehabilitation of a player who could come in and bring a bit of magic up front and just, you know, I'll never forget him coming in and some of the the change that he was able to create. But I'm not expecting it. Um, and I think it's hard to make an impact in January. I think you look at it last season, I think Jorginho and Trossard were great January signings. I think they are about as good as it gets. Yeah. And actually, it is a year to the day since Trossard joined. And so I'm interested, because some people love Trossard. Other people go, he's an example of not being good enough, not like really good enough. Um, some people say he's only good as a super sub. Uh, some people say he should be starting more games and given Martinelli's poor form of late, it was stupid not to play him more. Some people say a false nine's his best position. Where do you stand on on Leandro Trossard in a year in? Is, was it was it a success? Uh, yeah, I mate, definitely a success. I think I think his numbers are really good. I, th I think he's on something like five or six goals and twelve assists in a year, which is really really good for a player who has probably started far more games from the bench than he has in a starting eleven. I I, I think it's good numbers. I, I I definitely don't agree that he's not up to standard. That he's not good enough. And I think you and I have spoken about Liverpool so many times about the the lack of depth and the fact they've got four superstars and then players below that level. But the one thing that Liverpool have got is forwards. You know, forwards of, of a quality that isn't Haaland level, but is good. They've got good, solid seven out of ten forwards like Gakpo, like Jota. And for me, Trossard's in that category. He's not Son. He's not Saka. He's not Haaland. He's not that level, but he's the level below and you need them. And I, I think I if I've got a reservation about Trossard, 
I don't really understand what we bought him for. If that makes complete sense, I don't. I, I've, I remember in the the All or Nothing documentary, there was a, a scene in Edu's office where he had a whiteboard on his wall with our four three three on the pitch, mm. and he he had players' Two names, names under every position. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Now I reckon Trossard's name was written on that board more times than anyone else's because because you know he would have been at left wing, he would have been at nine, he would have been at both eight positions, and I guess if I have a reservation about Trossard, it's we went into last January saying the same thing we went into this January saying, which is we've got two very young wingers who have a huge burden on them in terms of the amount of running that they do, in terms of the amount of minutes they play and the amount of goals that we need from them because we play with a false nine. We need one more. We chased Mudrick. We dodged the bullet without with not paying 70 million quid for him. And we got Trossard instead. And I think because of that and because of where Trossard played on the pitch for Brighton, I went, OK, we got Trossard as our auxiliary winger instead of Mudrick. And the more I've watched of Trossard, the, the less I've liked of him playing on the wing. I Until the goal on Saturday, I, I, I wasn't sure he was having a great game because I just... I kept seeing him having to cut back inside. I kept seeing us get through, get behind him, and then having to turn back because Trossard didn't have the legs to keep running through. So I I really like him as a player, and I'm really glad he's in our squad. But at the same time, we've given him just under 100 grand a week on, I think, a three-and-a-half-year contract and spent, you know, I think 27 million quid, which isn't, isn't, isn't a modest fee for a player of his age. And I don't think we've actually solved a problem in the sense of plugging the holes that we have because as you said, I don't love him on the wing and I still feel like we need another winger. Mm. I've really not loved him at left eight. And I thought I would. I, th- I thought left eight was the position for him. The, pl- the place I've liked him the most is false nine, but we seem more reluctant than ever to give him game time there. And, and so I'm I'm not really sure what he is, but he is good. If, if <laughs> I haven't yeah, answered no, the question, he's a bit of an enigma for me. You started off the conversation, I was disagreeing, and I was going, well, clearly he's the Martinelli backup. And I, and I think if you're looking at that shot on the wall, he probably is the Martinelli backup. The problem is, my problem with him is he isn't very... And I, I always put it down to he's just not very good when he starts, because I think he's great when he comes on as a sub. He almost always makes an impact. And you get him in the box and you find him, he always gets a shot off. It's always on target. He's a great little finisher. And I thought that was the issue, but maybe you're right. Maybe the issue is he's just not that suited to that. He's, he's better closer to goal. He's like an inside yeah. forward in a yeah. way. And Martinelli is the goal line. Is 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 He hugs the byline. You know, mm. that's that's the yeah. instruction. He always has to be there. So if you play him, you can't play him hugging the byline. You have to bring him in closer to the action. The weird thing is he's, I think he's been, I mean, I'm going to go out there. I think he might be our best player in the Champions League this year. Because uh, he's always dangerous in the Champions League, and I just feel like there's something about the way he plays that you know he scored scored a fair few goals in in in, in that qualification run, almost just in the box being being a being a, being a false nine. So I think he's a useful player. I think he's a super sub. I think he's a great finisher. I think he's a valuable squad player. I think he can deputise for Martinelli, but mm. not that effectively. That cameo at Villa Park was absolutely shocking. Um, and you know, I think it's, I think it's a B plus though. I think that's a January signing and that's the danger of them. It's like you get, if, if you get, 
he got five goals, five assists or whatever last season. And if that wins you the league, then it was the greatest signing of all time. And if you come second, it's it drops down a bit. So, but I, th- I think I think we're, we're we're lucky to have him. Well, not lucky. I think I think no, it's, it's I, I, good I think to you're have right. him. It's good to have it. What what I always saw him as for me, I always saw him as uh, Edu and Arteta looking at Smith Rowe and going, this guy has got big problems, Smith Rowe, in terms of his fitness. And for him to be where he was two years ago, where he's going to need to spend a lot of time off the pitch and have surgery. And I almost looked at the Trossard sign mm. and I thought, you know what? You're actually very similar to Smith Rowe in the positions you take up on the pitch and the fact that you're not quite as dynamic as our wingers need to be at the moment when they're playing on the touchline. I think both Smithrow and Trossard would have looked at Nuno and Tierney going out the door and gone, ah, shit, that's not ideal for me because I quite like playing on the left when I've got a fullback that goes outside of me in the way that Tierney and Nuno would do. But I, I think basically we looked at Trossard and went, you know what, if he just basically does what Smithrow was doing for two and a half years to give Smithrow time to come back... The way I kind of see it is that eventually when Smith Rowe's fit enough, he takes all of Trossard's minutes in all of the positions on the pitch that Trossard would. I, th- I think Smith Rowe can do all of that. Left eight, l- left wing, if he's got someone who will go outside of him. And I think he could do false nine as well, Smith Rowe. So I, th- I think eventually we're just going to see him just just eat Trossard, just take him out of the team and take his minutes. Yeah, I'd like that take. I like that take. So the final subject, not it's sort of a semi-Arsenal subject, but it's a guy that I am becoming slightly obsessed with over the next few weeks, because I think a big part of how we do this season is going to come down to his fitness. And it's not an Arsenal player. It's Mo Salah. Because he's the Liverpool player I truly fear. And I believe that if we beat Forest in Liverpool, we've got a very good chance of going on and winning the league, because I think we'll be two points behind and every bit of momentum will be with us. But the one man who I'm really, really scared of is Mo Salah. He's injured but gone back to Liverpool mm. Egypt are through but he might be going back just just help me help prepare me he's is he he's going to be fit for the Arsenal game yeah, isn't it yeah or, of course he is of course he is <laughs> I'm counting the days his agent you know agents know normally it's like 18 to 21 days and I'm scratching mm. the x's on the calendar and I'm like that's a week after our game, but but then he's back at Liverpool. What 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 do you make of it? I uh, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd put my house on him starting against us. Oh. Uh, and I mean, look, it's the agent, and I think I think there's a language barrier, and I think it was translated. But the you know the quote from the agent was, "Yes, it's a hamstring tear." And I went, "Oh, tear! That, that's that's ten weeks." Great yeah. three, great three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you'd never wish injury on anyone. And then, and then, you know, yeah, two or three weeks. You go, "Hang on a minute, that's not a tear." And then, yeah, um, I, I think he'll be back for us. My, my, my thing with Salah, I, he's he's incredible, and he's been a thorn in our side for years. People have given Zinchenko stick for not being able to defend against him, despite the fact that he'd score a goal against Kieran Tierney every single time we started Tierney against him. Um, I've got such a vendetta against this Liverpool team this season. I've got such a bee in my bonnet that we're better than them and that we've underperformed against them. And I, I want to beat them with Salah. I, I want to be able to say, Salah or no Salah, we've beaten you guys and we're a better team than you. Trent, Salah, line them all up. We'll knock them down. So I'm... I'm I'm trying to condition myself into not wishing him out of their team. The other thing is, as we've said already, Jota comes in and, and looks like one of the best finishers in the league if Salah doesn't start. 
or and, and Nunez is starting to look better and better as the weeks go on. So it, it's almost, you know, one or the other, they're going to be dangerous. They really are. They really are. Well, we've got the small match in Nottingham Forest before then. Um, hopefully that's a formality. I think we're all thinking ahead, which is always dangerous. Uh, but any other thoughts before we go? I, I, I love your party call, mate. And I'm, I'm, if he if he's back in the squad for Forest, I think it's going to be so interesting to see how we use him and so interesting to see the domino effect it has on the rest of our midfields. I think, you know, the jury's still out on Havertz. Rice has been a bit quiet for a couple of weeks. So how we move things around there will be really interesting. We, we can't look ahead of that Forest game. That has to be three points. We have to go game by game now. And obviously, no game until Tuesday, so you've got a free weekend. Have you? Uh, have you? Are you doing a show this weekend? Are you going to re- be relaxing? What's your plans? And where can people I, find I'm, you? I, well, I'm celebrating my son's first birthday. Actually, my son oh, turns congratulations. one. Thank you. Yes, my son turns one on the first. So we we've got like a, a joint celebration with some friends of ours on Sunday. So family mode for the weekend. Back into Arsenal mode on Tuesday. And uh, I, I I don't know about you. I just can't stop thinking about the Liverpool game next Sunday, mate. I, I More so than my son's birthday, I've got to be really honest. I mean, that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you that's not normal. <laughs> that's good. That's good fathering. <laughs> All good. And let everyone know where they can find you so uh, we can uh, get some of those, get some more tickets sold for your tour. Yes, mate. So at Jacob Hawley on Instagram, um, there's plenty of Arsenal content on there. And yes, tickets to see me live as well. It'd be lovely to see some AOP listeners in some audiences. All good. All right. Well, we are going to be back uh, tomorrow, maybe, with a Before the Whistle for the Patreons. So we're doing that. The weekend, we'll have to figure that out. But we will 100% be back and live and on the whistle uh, for... The Forest game, it's a big game now. It's a really big game. I know we're already thinking about the Liverpool game. Hopefully the players aren't. But uh, until then, ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.